Therefore, shall make you free. You shall be free indeed. Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 19th, 2010. And today we're just going to be continuing, as kind of like we usually do with our current event uh, and golf updates. And we'll have quite a bit to report on both ends there. Uh, a lot on more of Obama's draconian things he's trying to implement, a lot on a lot of the Big Brother things that are currently uh, taking place within <clears throat> both world government and our government in the Americas as well. <clears throat> also, we're going to be looking heavily at the uh, flu shot, the vaccinations, uh, <clears throat> the cover-up regarding the vaccinations, uh, how Australia has actually banned the flu shots at this point. We're going to be looking at a lot of the chemicals that they've introduced into, um, as we kind of continue before with the fluoride, we're going to be looking at uh, chlorine today and uh, looking a little bit at cholesterol, that particular subject. So a lot of different things we're going to be discussing today. Just want to give you kind of an overview. The first article we're looking at today is uh, iris scanners. And this is from Prison Planet, September 13, 2010 starts out by saying the Department of Homeland Security is set to begin trials of iris scanning technology in October. You know what? I'm sorry. I actually skipped some Bible verses I had at the very beginning here. Let me come back to that. Let me go over a few Bible verses here just to kind of start things out. Uh, These are some Bible verses regarding proper responses to debates. Proverbs 18.13 says, He that answereth the matter, before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. Uh, most of the time, if you get into a debate about somebody that's very dogmatic about a particular point, uh, they this is the typical thing that you expect. They're, they've already answered the matter before they've heard it. Now, if you've already heard the, the debate, as I have about so many different subjects, probably 50 to 100 times, then it's not a folly and a shame unto you to answer a matter, because you've already heard it. So there's a time and a place this applies, and... Um, but it's kind of what I've come to expect is common behavior uh, when debating people. Galatians 4.16 says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Most of the time, if you tell somebody the truth in today's day and age, you will become their enemy. It's just the way it is. Uh, particularly truth like this that, that we get into on a weekly uh, basis here. Truth regarding the Bible, things like this. Uh, it's very, very common. Now, two verses that when I first read them originally I was a little bit confused about. I went to uh, our associate pastor at an uh, independent fundamental Baptist church that I was at. This was probably ooh, well over ten years ago. It's confused me a little bit because they appear to be contradictory, but they're actually not. Proverbs 26.4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. And the next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own conceit. Now, what was explained to me, and what is uh, obviously indicated by the scriptures, is there's a time that you don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like unto him. And there's a time that you do answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So, when that time is, is really between you and the Lord. It's, It's something where you have to pray for discernment to know when to engage someone, I guess the Bible would refer to as a fool, and when to not engage someone the Bible would refer to as a fool. Uh, I'm confronted with these choices almost on a daily basis with the emails that I get. And, and the vast majority of emails I get are, are totally positive, but obviously you're going to have um, debates with people and, and things of this nature. And um, there's a time to engage and there's a time not to. And when those times are is really something you need to go to the Lord and ask. Because it's different many times for every situation that you run into. So that's about as good as I can explain those. 
Job 11.2 says, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? So this is a time that you would engage, let's say, a fool for argument's sake. Um, the multitude of words, shouldn't they be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? Matthew 7.6 says, uh, now this would be a time that you wouldn't engage. Or if you had already tried to reach them, and they were totally non-receptive to you. Uh, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Uh, the, The Bible also talks about rebuking not a scorner, lest you get a blot. So there's definitely times you engage, and there's times you don't engage. And, um you have to look at the verses in the Bible to kind of have an idea of when to engage and when not to. There's a time that you do not, you're not supposed to cast your pearls before swine. The Bible also says an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. So if you have somebody that's coming to you and they're just flat out a heretic, they're, they're, they're believing in another gospel, they're possibly teaching another gospel, they're trying to get people um, into some kind of false religion or cult or whatever, and yet calling themselves a Christian, they are nothing more than a heretic. The Bible says, they that preach another gospel, let them be accursed. And this is something that you would deal with if you were dealing with a flat-out heretic that had no desire repenting, but only convincing you of their position. Uh, a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. So, you're not supposed to sit there and burn all your time on that, because the devil would love nothing more for us just to burn all our time up on people that have no desire to change in any way, shape, or form and want to stay stuck in some type of cultish dogma. Uh, the Bible also says that if you see your brother overtaken in an air, go to such an one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. So this is the way you initially should approach a brother or a sister in Christ in a spirit of meekness. And you're also supposed to not bring a railing accusation against an elder, but bring two or three Okay, so there's a lot of different verses that kind of you could get off and do other studies that apply to this. I just kind of wanted to give you some some guidelines there, biblical guidelines that you could go by. So I'm sorry, let's go back to the first article here um, the, regarding the iris scanners. And we'll just start over again here. The Department of Homeland Security is set to begin trials of iris scanning technology in October. But don't believe for a second that uh, Big Brother's latest assault on the privacy right of Americans will be confined to airports. Everything from entering sports events to making purchases will eventually be controlled by this technology if it is allowed to be implemented. So, see, this is why you, you fight these changes um, when they first come. Because if it's like, you know, if you let the devil get his foot in the door, pretty soon his knees in the door, and then his legs in the door, and then his whole body's through the door. Um, these are things that, you know, you can pray about. And also, if you're in a position where, you know, you're being forced to, to do something that makes you uncomfortable or is a violation of your privacy, just don't do it. I mean, if you're in a position where you can. Uh, this is not something that uh, we should be going along with, these, this iris scanning. And you're going to see why here. The Homeland, the Homeland Security Department plans to test futuristic iris scan technology that stores digital images of people's eyes in a database and is considered a quicker alternative to fingerprints, writes US to USA Today's Frank or Thomas Frank. The iris scan is nothing less than the 21st century equivalent of how the Jews and the other undesirables were tattooed by the Nazis, aside from the fact that all Americans will be forced to submit to the eye scan. In Hitler's Germany, at least some people of the population were spared from having to identify themselves constantly at the behest of the authorities. As the USA Today article makes clear, its iris records will be held in a database and associated with credit cards and other routine aspects of your everyday life. The agenda is to replace PIN numbers and presentation of a photo ID, forcing Americans to submit to high-tech enslavement merely to conduct their day-to-day activities. The financial companies hope the scans can stop identity fraud, says Jeff Carter of Global Rainmakers. Uh, a New York City firm developing this technology. Iris scans are, are going to completely reshape 
the fraud environment. So see, this is the big carrot they're putting out in front of everybody saying, well, we're going to be able to totally shut down fraud because you can't fake an iris scan. It's, it's a totally unique. It's like a fingerprint. It's probably even almost more unique than a fingerprint. So um, this is the way that you know they're going to try to sell it. So, in other words, whenever you buy something, take money from an ATM, cash a check, or conduct any financial transaction, you will be at some point forced to submit to this iris scan. Cameras that take photos from three or four feet away, including ones that work on people as they walk by, will be installed at all major public buildings, sports stadiums, and transport hubs, completely demolishing for good the notion of innocent until proven guilty. As we have exhausted exhaustively documented, iris scans along with the mobile x-ray body scanners are just two aspects of how everything that has turned American airports into some of the most draconian, oppressive, and abusive places on the planet is now being rolled out onto the streets. I mean, the airports, it doesn't get any worse than the airports right now um, as far as what they're doing to many of them. You've got the full body scanners. Um, Now they're going to want you, uh, they're going to try to start implementing iris scanners. Uh, the full body scanners, not only can they take detailed and do take detailed pictures of your genitalia and also your children's, which is nothing more than, you know, uh, child pornography, but it also puts out what they call a terahertz form radiation that literally unzips or tears apart your DNA. And remember, it just seems like so many of the teachings that we've done and are doing always seems to come about some always seems to, to come back to the point of them trying to mess up the DNA of mankind, of, of either trying to defile the DNA, mess it up, corrupt it, do something. And again, it, it confirms, as Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, in the days of Noah, the main thing that was going on is that the sons of men, sons of God, so the daughters of men, that they were fair, they took them wise of all that they chose, and in those days, then these women bore them giants, and the giants of the Nephilim, or the fallen ones, were a hybrid offspring of the fallen angels and the women. And I've done whole studies on this, so if you, if you need to, you know, you can go up to contendingfortruth.com and do keyword search for that subject. But what was Satan's ultimate goal of trying to do that in the days of Noah? Well, he was trying to wipe out humanity, corrupt humanity, corrupt the seed of humanity... And this was his agenda. The Bible says in Daniel, it says that they, some other race, and I believe it's the fallen angels, shall mingle themselves, this is regarding the end times, shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. So this is the day and times we're moving into. And Satan is trying to defile and mess up our DNA any way possible that he can. He's doing it through the vaccinations as well. We're going to talk about that extensively today as well. I'm going to do some updates there. So... Um, the airports, I tell you, if there was any place on the, on, in America where they've got you right where they want you, it's in the airports right now. Because you've got to play by their rules in order to get on their plane. And uh, unless you don't want to play by their rules, then you can't do it. And it's just getting worse and worse, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I'm not going to fly anymore. I've told people that I haven't flown in years at this point. And um, I've, you know, just because of all this, the garbage that's going on there at this point. So, Homeland Security is already implementing technology to be enforced at, quote, security events, which purportedly read malintent on behalf of an individual who passes through a checkpoint. The video below explains how future attribute screening technology checkpoints will conduct physiological and behavioral tests in order to weed out suspected terrorists and criminals. This video clip shows individuals who attend security uh, events being led into trailers before they are inter. In, in other words, they're, they, you go into like a sports uh, football game, pro football game, college, whatever. They've got ways of screening you now where they can actually read malintent by your facial expressions or by body temperature, by respiration, or combining all of this. And they pull you, they know who you are, and they pull you into a trailer. And then they give you the interrogation at that point. I, and um, you can go up here and watch the, the video. I, I don't really have time to play it today, but uh, it's a video from Homeland Security. You can watch it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, but the clip shows individuals who attend security events being led into trailers before they are interrogated as to whether they are terrorists. 
while lie detector-style computer programs analyze their physiological responses. The subjects are asked about their whereabouts and if they are attempting to smuggle bombs or recording devices into the, quote, expo they're going into, proving that the technology is intended to be used at public events and not just airports. Indivi- and can you imagine doing this in an airport? you imagine how many people they're going to interrogate in that then? I mean, talk about guilty and to prove it innocent. Uh, individuals who do not satisfy the first lie detector style test are then asked additional questions. Americans will be mandated to prove to the government that they are well-behaved slaves before they are allowed to do anything. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and play uh, this video. It's about six and a half minutes. Uh, I think everybody should understand what is what they're actually openly admitting to. And this is a actual video clip. And you can go up on the link that I'll give you on the PDF. There'll be about a 34-page PDF connected with this teaching. Yeah, you heard me right, 34 pages. Uh, that's how much we have to cover this week, if, if I can cover it. I'm, I'm hoping I can. Um, and this little video is straight from Homeland Security, and this is what they're planning. Not only what they're planning, this is what they're doing, and this is what they're openly admitting to. So we're going to go ahead and roll this. Under the Future Attribute Screening Technology, or FAST program, the Department of Homeland Security is developing innovative physiological and behavioral screening technologies to streamline the screening process at security checkpoints. In support of this program, Battelle has partnered with industry leaders Farber Specialty Vehicles and Draper Laboratory to design and develop a portable research facility for the development and demonstration of innovative security screening technologies, the FAST Demonstration Laboratory. The mobility of the FAST Demonstration Laboratory allows security officials to quickly and efficiently establish security boundaries at any location making it useful for everything from large sporting events, border crossings, or airports. The screening mobile module provides a checkpoint to establish or supplement security facilities at points of entry. At special events, attendees pass through the screening mobile module. The unique low-floor trailer design ensures accessibility for all. Inside the screening mobile module, a suite of real-time, non-invasive sensors measure behavioral and physiological indications of malintent, or the intent or desire to cause harm. As sensor technology evolves, the screening mobile module can be easily reconfigured with movable partition walls. The screening mobile module can be configured to support primary screening, secondary screening, observation areas, or multiple screening lanes for higher subject throughput. Anchor track on the walls, ceiling, and floors provide a secure and easily reconfigurable means of installing equipment throughout the screening unit. New screening sensors can be easily integrated into the screening mobile module. The command unit provides local supervision and management of screening operations during a security event. Multiple screening units can be wirelessly networked to a single command module minimizing the resources needed to manage large events and providing a cost-effective means of providing on-site security operations at a large event. Climate-controlled data processing areas in both mobile modules provide ample space for on-site data processing and analysis equipment. The mobile modules are secured by a security system that protects the equipment and sensor data during operation and storage. In the event an intrusion is detected, a local audible alarm is triggered, and a monitoring station is notified via cellular network. The FAST Demonstration Laboratory is working towards providing an operationally ready security checkpoint. The current mobile modules provide a useful testbed for developing innovative screening technologies. Step forward and stand on those footprints on that mat. What I'm going to have you do is, can you put your, your bursa in your pocket or, or just to the side there? I'm going to have you look in my direction. Um, just keep your, your hands just kind of to the side. And try and refrain from, from moving, okay? Just try and remain as still as possible, and we'll begin soon. 
show your ID to the first guard? Yeah. Are you attempting to smuggle an explosive device into the expo today? Are you from the local area? Yeah. Are you attempting to smuggle a recording device into the expo today? been in the local area all day today. Do you plan to detonate an explosive at the expo today? Do you plan to illegally record any information at the expo today? I'm just going to pause it here for a second. Um, you can hear the questions they're asking this particular lady. And on the screen, you're looking at a bunch of different things that are going on. You're looking at one that looks like a thermal uh, picture of her face. You're looking at another one where it might be recording uh, different uh, vital signs. Uh, evidently, they're screening her in a lot of different ways. And again, this is something that you know I hate to say is going to be uh, more and more commonplace as Big Brother takes over as this George Orwell 1984 type of of um, draconian stuff kicks in. This is going to become more and more commonplace, and and this is pure evil. This is absolutely pure evil, and um, we just want to expose it, you know, so you have a heads up. These are things you can pray about, and things that, to a certain extent, in as much as the Lord leads you to resist, that you know you're faithful to that. So let's go further here. There's a pause here for some reason. Okay, she's being taken to another room now. Evidently she didn't pass the mustard. And she's got to go to another room and be interrogated further. To smuggle an explosive device into the expo today. Here's another man they're interrogating. Are you attempting to smuggle a recording device into the expo today? No. Have you been in the local area all day today? Yeah, bad. Do you plan to detonate an explosive at the expo today? Yeah. Is this the month of September? Yeah. Yeah. Do you plan to illegally record any information at the expo today? Okay, so basically they let the one lady out the back of the trailer. She had to answer some more questions. Evidently she passed. And now he's got to go through the metal detector. And he went through his battery of questions. And, uh, you know, I don't know what happens if you don't pass everything. I don't know whether it's 30 days in the electric chair or what the uh, thing is. It's definitely guilty till proven innocent, though. And that's very obvious by this video. I mean, think about it. When do you have to, to take a lie detector Typically, if you're being accused of a crime, is when you have to take lie detector tests. Well, this is like a mega lie detector test. This is like a lie detector on steroids, is essentially what we're dealing with here. It's got all these different parameters that it's going through. So you're being, you're being subjected to the treatment of being a criminal, although you've committed no crime. And um, this is uh, what, they, what they're implementing right now. Okay, so that was pretty much the end of that video there. And we're going to go to the next story now. This is one, and again, we're talking a lot about Big Brother stuff here at the start. 
This is one how the courts have now allowed warrantless cell phone tracking. Uh, the FBI and other police agencies now do not need a search warrant to track the locations of Americans' cell phones. A federal appeals court ruled on Tuesday in a precedent-setting decision. In the first decision of its kind, a Philadelphian appeals court agreed with the Obama administration that no search warrant signed by a judge based on a belief that there was probable cause to suspect criminal activity was necessary for police to obtain logs showing where a cell phone user had traveled. Not only can they turn your cell phone on and listen to you when it's off, even when it's off. The only way you can you can guard against this is by taking the battery out. That's it. Because if it has any kind of power source, they can still turn it on even when it's off. Um, they can also track you even when it's off. What they do is they triangulate your position through cell phone towers and this is what they do. So they can tell where you've been and what you're saying. And if you're in a room, it's like a, it's like a recorder. That's record, it can be recording everything that you're talking about. So now they don't even need a search warrant signed by a judge in order to do this. And the Obama administration is the one that's behind this primarily. Of course, not to say if Bush wasn't in office, he wouldn't be trying to do this as well. But he just happened to be the one that... Um, his administration to do this. Now, you look at, again, guilty until proven innocent. That's becoming the norm here. Uh, next article. Georgia man is fined $5,000 for growing vegetables on his own property. A Georgia resident, and these are all current event articles. This is from September 14th. A Georgia resident who has been an organic farmer for years is facing $5,000 in fines for growing too many vegetables on his own land. Steve Miller, who has sold some of his produce at local farmer's markets, as well as growing food for himself, is likely the victim of online aerial invasion of private property. This invasion of property is probably due to the fact that unless visited or inspected by an official, there would be no way for there to be an accurate or factual accounting of what is going on at Mr. Miller's property. Recent reports of local and state officials and bureaucrats using online mapping software have now become mainstream tools for assessing fines and generating money for cash-strapped local and state budgets. It's always about the money. It's always about them generating revenue. Not only taking away more of our rights, but them, but them bleeding us dry. That's what they like to do. Does it seem right that anywhere that Google Maps and Bing Maps can go is legal to use as a source of information? If a person was bathing in their pool with every expectation of privacy and someone peeked over the fence, wouldn't that constitute a criminal offense? January and February, he actually received his first citations. Steve was then able to get the property rezoned, allowing him to grow his garden. All right, most Americans believe he already had, but he had to get it rezoned. In the recent, but that wasn't enough. Evidently, they came and they spied on him some more and found out, oh no, you're growing too many vegetables on your own property. We're going to have to fine you $5,000. See, they're going to try to take away our right to grow vegetables. That We've already reported that in the past, that actually gardens are going to become criminalized because they're trying to control us in every possible way, shape, and form. This is why it's good, if you can, if you can afford it, to get some storable foods uh, freeze-dried probably being the best, uh, dehydrated freeze-dried, because number one, they're light, all you have to do is add water. As long as you have a water source, then you can make that food. Whereas canned foods, not only do you have to worry about the BHT that we're going to be talking more about in the, in the coming up, that gender-bending chemical, they're coating the insides of cans and putting it on cash receipts and putting it all over stuff in America. And again, we're going to be recording, talking about that, but the canned foods, you're, you're also lugging around the water as well, the water weight. So it is good to have uh, some foods in regard to that because even if you've got your own seeds, even if you've got your own plot of land, there's no guarantee you're, you're, you're going to be able to actually plant and actually grow those vegetables in the days coming. You don't know. You don't know how much you might actually be fleeing for your own life. Um, and if that's the case, you're going to have a really tough time growing a garden. I think gardens are awesome. Um, canning, great, awesome stuff, but worst case scenario, they may not be practical and they may literally and are becoming literally more and more criminalized 
Um, in recent times past, victory gardens were encouraged. They were the pride of everyone's backyard in a nation that was self-sufficient. Historically, victory gardens in World War II were encouraged to keep the, the supply of food at a maximum. And personal growing increased the industrial supply of the military. So, during World War II, you, I mean, they had all of these rationing systems. They told you, don't drive your car, um, because don't don't drive your car because you're, you're using up gas, the World War II machine needs, and also uh, our troops need. And also, you're using up rubber that our troops need in order for their tires. They told you, grow victory gardens, uh, all this stuff. And they wanted at least to try to get people to, to use the least amount of goods. Now, what they're doing is the exact opposite. They want you to be, be totally dependent on the government for um, what's coming. And growing a garden, obviously, you're taking, you know, you're being self-sufficient there. This goes on to say, are people to let this fascist takeover to continue? Even growing a garden in the privacy of your own personal property now can be taken away. If the answer is no, then what are you prepared to do about it? You can watch this video about this man. It was aired on um, WSB-TV in Georgia. Uh, and you can let them know how you feel about this. And I, I give you all the links to do that. Okay, so I wanted to report on those few issues. Let's go further now. This is a letter that I got from one of my listeners, uh, Nate, and it's entitled Current Islamic Agitation and Albert Pike's Plan for World War III. I kind of modified the title so we'd have a little better view of what we're going to be talking about. Nate writes, he says, All of this agitation recently regarding the, the Islam is all by design. The mosque at Ground Zero, the Quran burning, and many other issues that are dividing the country and citing anger. Now, again, I like to give a broad look at these issues because we can get focused in on just Islam, Islam, Islam. And we can lose sight of the fact that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes and principalities, okay, the, the rulers of wickedness of high places, the spiritual aspects behind Islam. But we can also lose sight of the fact that the Illuminati has been preparing for a World War III Islamic um, Jewish-Israeli war since the 1800s. We can also lose sight of that. And we want to understand that all of this was predicted okay, a long, long time ago. So in order to get the big picture, let's look at this. Because he brings up some great points here. Uh, he says, we're on the edge of World War III. It's right around the corner. This is was all planned ahead of time years ago. Read this letter that is highly regarded by the highly regarded Freemason, Albert Pike, wrote predicting all of these events. Now, Albert Pike was the um, guy that started the Ku Klux Klan. He was the one that was credited as a single-handedly resurrecting the, the modern-day Freemasonic movement. Uh, he was about as high of free ranking Freemason as you could possibly get. He was the head Freemason over all of, I believe, North America. The man was pure wickedness. And he was the guy that wrote Morals and Dogma, which is the absolute Bible for the Freemasons. And there's two versions. There's the exoteric and there's the esoteric version of Morals and Dogma. And um, the esoteric is the one where he gets into the real stuff and the real agenda. And in the esoteric version... And Chick has a track that actually gives you this quote. He basically says that to the crowd, to, to the people, to the people outside of the Freemasons, we say we worship a god, the one that the world adores, meaning the god, the god of the Bible he's referring to in this. But he says, but to you, sovereign grand inspector generals of the 30th, 31st, 32nd, and 33rd degree, I say we worship Lucifer. And it's right there in his own writings. The guy's pure wickedness. Well... Albert Pike received a vision, which he described in a letter that he wrote to uh, Manzini, dated August 15, 1871. This letter graphically outlined plans for three world wars that were seen as necessary to bring about the New World Order. Now remember, he had this before World War I, he had it before World War II, and obviously before World War III. But he wrote this in 1871, before these wars ever even were, you know, Decades before the first of them was ever even um, thought. Okay, so we can marvel at how accurately his, it is predicted events that have already taken place. Look at the accuracy of his first two predictions written in 1871. 
See, Satan can give some accurate predictions. It's not like Satan's always going to lie. I mean, Satan is going to reveal his true agenda to the people at the very, very top. You you look at the 13 families of the Illuminati. You look at guys like, you know, Albert Pike or uh, Aleister Crowley, these types of people. Many times, um, these people will be shown what the actual agenda is that Satan wants to bring about, whether that be within 100 years, 150 years, 50 years. There are many times the first ones that we'll find out. So let's read this. This is from his vision of Albert Pike. He says, The First World War must be brought about in order to permit the Illuminati to overthrow the power of the Tsars in Russia. Which was exactly what happened. The Tsars were overthrown as a result of World War I. And the making that and making of that country a for, fortress of atheistic communism. Well, isn't that what took over in Russia after World War One? Communism? Atheistic communism? Huh, it is. That's kind of crazy. Well, that's exactly what happened. The divergences caused by the eight the agentur or the agents of the Illuminati between the British and the Germanic empires will be used to foment this war. At the end of this war, this is World War I, communism will be built and used in order to, to destroy the other governments and in order to weaken the religions. I'd say that's a pretty accurate statement that he made. Let's go to the Second World War. The Second World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences between the fascists and the political Zionists. The war must be brought about so that Nazism is destroyed and that political Zionism be strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel in Palestine. Now, you'd be thinking, whoa, 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 why would they want to bring about a sovereign state in Israel? I mean, isn't that what the Bible predicts? There's going to be a sovereign state in Israel. God's going to bring his people back and these types of things. Yeah, but you have to understand, God is on the throne and he's literally letting evil, wicked men thinking that they're going to defeat God do his bidding. This is how it works. And people people have a hard time getting their mind wrapped around that. But look at the accuracy of this statement that was written in 1871 by a guy that was beyond demon-possessed to the toenails. I mean, he said that this World War II would be taking advantage of the differences between the fascists and the political Zionists. Well, a lot of what World War II was about were the Jews being herded in the concentration camps, the Nazis taking over, this big you know, thing that was created, and then the war must be brought about so that Nazism is destroyed. Well, I haven't really seen Nazism revived to any kind of great extent since World War II. I mean, it's pretty much demonized, you got to admit, you know. Um, and that Zionism must be strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel. Well, that did happen after World War II. Isn't that a coincidence? Huh. Um, during the Second World War, international communism must become strong enough in order to balance Christendom meaning Christianity. Now, you have to understand, when he says Christendom, he's not really referring to true Bible-believing, born-again, remnant Christians. He's referring to the broad mass, and I would literally say, most likely, the broad way, lukewarm Christianity, with the Catholics being at the very, very top of that. Because we always get lumped in with the Catholics. Always. And then you have the Presbyterians and a lot of the lukewarm denominations. There's literally over 20,000 different denominational flavors of Christianity worldwide. Over 20,000. So which one's got it right? Which denomination is the only way? Well, this is why I don't put myself under, under a denominational label. Um, I call myself a born-again Bible-believing Christian. And I try not to put myself under, under a denominational label because there's literally thousands of them. And many of them were literally created to create confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. So, we've got um, international communism must be strong enough in order to balance Christendom, which would be then restrained and held in check, this is Christendom, until the time when we would need it for the final social cataclysm. So, in their eyes, they've been controlling Christendom, and it's a useful tool to them, and they need it in order for the final social cataclysm, which is what we're going to talk about next. So as I said, Fritz Springmeier's done a lot of research on this, and there's been a lot of other people that have done research, how they would research different 
denominations and find that it's almost every, in every single instance, you've got some wicked person at the very head of that given denomination with wicked people underneath them. Catholic Church being a real obvious example, but there's a lot of other ones that would also put themselves within some type of pseudo-Christian cult. You know, uh, even you could even look at the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists. The people that started those religions were flat-out demon-possessed occultists. And if the head be sick, then the whole body's going to be sick. The Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. So, these religious denominations were created to be bring people into them to either ultimately give them a totally false gospel or at bare minimum to create a lukewarm bunch of followers who are thinking that they're earning their way to heaven. This is the common thing you'll see. Uh, Fritz Springmeyer wrote a whole book on this and um, it, it, you, it was never, um, they've done everything they can to uh, destroy his books, but you can uh, you can access them online. There are uh, some of the books are actually accessible online, and you can read the whole things online. And you can email me um, if you'd like. You could do a search for for Fritz Springmeyer online books. Try that first. If you can't find anything, email me at drjohnson at the letter i the letter x dot netcom dot com dot com Dr. Johnson at ix.netcom.com and I'll email you the things. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with every single thing Fritz Springmeier ever said. I corresponded with Fritz Springmeier from prison. And let me tell you, every single letter I ever got from Fritz Springmeier that was handwritten to me, he presented to me that that he was nothing but a uh, a wonderful Christian person. He wasn't complaining, he wasn't whining, he was getting beat up all the time in prison by different guys, he was leading Bible studies, and he's still in prison. And I know there was a lot of people that that came out and wanted to attack him, but I also believe there was a lot of people put in place to attack him. And then, yes, I do believe he was framed by the reason he got thrown in prison. I mean, come on. They came in his house, they threw a bag of pot on his bed, and they said you you were conspiring to rob a bank. Come on. You know, it was a frame-up. But anyway, I know there'll be debate about that, and I know there'll be some people, oh, no, no, he's this and he's that. Well, okay, you're entitled to your opinion, I'm entitled to mine. And um, all I can tell you is I've read several of Fritz's books, and they do confirm the vast majority of research I've done since I've been a Christian regarding these types of things. If you read his book, Bloodlines of the Illuminati, it'll give you the big picture on the Illuminati, on what is really going on, on, on how they're the ones that control the po- the politicians, like puppets on a string. I mean, you could be mad at Obama all, all you want, and, and it's easy to, to not be, you know, it's hard not to be mad at the guy, but the reality is, is he's a puppet on a string. He has handlers that are literally controlling him, and if he gets out of line, you know, they can remove him from that position very easily. What's happening, though, is the Illuminati is really stepping things up. The Rothschilds being at the very, very tip-top of this uh, pyramidal structure. But then again, who's above the Rothschilds? Well, obviously, the fallen angels. The, the, the evil entities that they serve, Satan being at the very top. So never forget, this is what we're really dealing with. We're not battling against the flesh of the Rothschilds or, or whatever Illuminati family we might be considering. We're, we're literally battling against... This, the, the princes and principalities and rules of wickedness that emanate and operate through these families. So anyway, I, I wanted to bring that up because it, it is appropriate regarding the subject. Okay, so let's go further here. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, so I, uh, the, the book I was thinking of is called Be Wise as Serpents, and you can actually go online and get it. Uh, it's at www.biblio. Bibliote Cyclopedes. Now, I, I, I just key and be wise as serpents online, and then Fritz Springmeier, S P R I N G M E I E R, and you you can read it. And again, there's there's going to be stuff 
that you may not 100% agree, but you know, there's no ministry that I know of, including my own, that has everything right. None of us have it all figured out. The Bible says that we see through a glass, but darkly. Okay, so none of us have it all figured out. None of us are the grand poobah that, that, you know, can go around saying, well, I am the purveyor of all truth. And now a lot of guys in ministry start acting that way. And you know what happens? They become unteachable. You can't tell them a thing, teach them a thing. They don't want to hear it. Their mind's made up. Don't confuse them with the facts. Now, when that happens, then the Bible verse where it talks about pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And it's almost like, you know, they're going to get off in air if they get that attitude. That's why it's important to pray for humility and fear of God, because it'll kind of keep you out of that. Uh, it should, at least. So, be wise as serpents, Fritz Springmeier, and that'll give you a really good overview. You can go read it online. There's no way you could even find this book. If you could find it, you'd probably have to pay ten grand to get it. I've seen Fritz Springmeier books online for $1,000, $2,000, $3,000. That's how much they are. Because the Illuminati came and tried to buy up every single copy and burn every copy they could burn. That's how it goes. Now, I heard Fritz is actually uh, scheduled to be released from prison pretty soon. And I pray to God he is. I, I, I love the man. Um, I love him. You know? And so, anyway, you should pray for him. He, he's, I mean, I just, I just love him. Uh, he's a bit eccentric. You know? Well, you know what? I am too. And you probably are too. The Bible says that we're peculiar people. So, you know, God bless them. So anyway, let's go further here. Now, this is the quote from um, Albert Pike. This, the, going back to it, the Third World War. Now we're talking about the Third World War. The one that we're looking at must be fomented or created through conflict, created through conflict, by taking advantage of the differences caused by agents of the Illuminati between the political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. Okay, so it's going to take advantage of the political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. Well, isn't that what I've been saying, and a lot of other people have been saying for years, that World War III is going to break out between Israel and the Middle East? Well, he said this, it was 1871. 1871, he's got every world war nailed. And this is exactly what we've been saying ever since I've been online, that it's going to be between the Zionists of Israel and the leaders of the Islamic world. That's World War III, and he knew this back in 1871. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam, the Muslim Arabic world, and the political Zionism, the state of Israel, mutually destroy each other. Now, I don't believe that's going to happen, that part. I think he's got that part messed up. Because there's no way God's going to let Israel get destroyed. Not going to happen. Now, the Bible does say in Zechariah that by the end of the tribulation, two-thirds of Israel will, will be destroyed. Okay, And one-third is going to be tried as silver in the fire. And he's going to bring them through the fire. And then they're going to look upon, uh, they're going to look upon Jesus Christ as one, and they're going to mourn for him as the one as mourning for their own son. They're going to look upon whom they've pierced is the way Zechariah says it. And they're going to mourn for him as their own son. Okay, and I've done studies on this. We've given you the Bible verses. You can look it up. But one-third is going to be brought through the fire. One-third of the Jews are going to be saved. So if you look at Israel right now and you look over there, two-thirds of them are going to be wiped out. One-third is actually going to be brought through the fire and saved, and their eyes are going to be open, and they're going to realize what they did to Jesus Christ on the cross. See, Israel, unfortunately, has been under a collective bondage to a certain extent, or curse, whatever you want to say it, because when the Jews came to Pilate and said, give us Barabbas, take away Jesus, give us Barabbas, let Jesus' blood be upon us and our children. They asked this. Well, they literally were, it's like they were bringing a curse upon themselves. And the Bible says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Now, the fullness of the Gentiles, meaning until the fullness of the Gentiles, until they get saved, blindness in part has happened to the Jews. So, not to say Jew can't get saved, it says blindness in part. So, anyway, I wanted to give you a little clarification there. So, let's go further. Um, 
But he's saying in 1871, Islam and the political Zionism state of Israel must mutually destroy each other. That's not going to happen. I believe the Middle East, to a large part, is probably going to get wiped out in World War III. Okay? Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on this issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, and spiritual and economic exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilists. Now remember, this is Albert Pike talking. He says, we, the Illuminati, shall unleash the nihilist. What's a nihilist? A nihilist, I looked this up, is a person who believes human existence has no objective, meaning, purpose, or intrinsic value. It'd be like Charles Darwin, or somebody that believes in evolution. Ah, you know, hey, we ultimately evolved from a rock. Because you, you can go back way before the apes, though, with the rocks first. First the rocks came. And then we came from the rocks. So you ultimately believe you evolved from a rock. What point would your life really have? You know? Think about it. So that's a nihilist. Anyway, we shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists, and we shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm, which in all its horror will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, savagery, and of the most bloody turmoil. Okay, what are they trying to do? Create the maximum amount of terror and shock to traumatize you, which is exactly what I've been saying about World War III. That's what it's going to be designed to do. It's not just going to be between Israel and the Middle East nations getting shocked. It's going to be a global shock. It's going to be done to wear you out and to wear you down. That's why you better have your faith rooted on the solid rock of Christ Jesus, because if you don't have it rooted now, you're not going to get through this. You're going to fall away. And the Bible says that God is going to send strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so, and receive not the love of the truth. So you better get this established now. Uh, I'm not judging you, I'm just saying it's something you, you need to do. If you haven't already. Uh, okay, so let's go further. Okay, continuing with this quote. Then, everywhere... The citizens, obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries, will exterminate those destroyers of civilization and a multitude of disillusion with Christianity, who will from that moment be without compass or direction. Now, let's break that, that next verse down, or the verse I just read. So, there's going to be World War III going on. And then he says, then, everywhere, the citizens who will be obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries. Hmm, I wonder if that could have anything to do with them letting all these illegal aliens, MI5 gangs, and all these gangs and drug cartels pouring over the border from Mexico and these types of places, letting them in here unchecked, unfettered, and Obama defending their right to do this, having literally like an open border down there to let the worst refuse from Mexico and other third world countries come in, including including Islamic terrorists, which we've proven in many other studies, who are actually now yoking up and linking up with these Mexican drug cartels, moving them into this country. I wonder if they might be pre-positioning them in this country to do this very thing that Albert Pike predicted back in 1871, which is basically um, this, the citizens will be obliged to defend themselves against a world minority of revolutionaries. It's going to be like a big civil war in a lot of different parts of the earth, okay? But think about it. If World War III breaks out over in the Middle East, do you think that Islam, which calls us the great Satan, do you think they're just going to say, well, we're going to leave America alone because we're going to just focus... Purely on, no, they view Israel and they view uh, America as yoked up, even though I know Obama's a Muslim and things like this, but traditionally in times past, we have supported Israel. I know that's becoming less and less and less, but they're going to, they're going to, they're going to blame us. They're going to blame Israel and they're going to put as many terrorists in here and they're going to foment as much war and as much havoc, probably working with much of these illegal aliens, many of these MI5 drug cartels and these types of things, in order to create the maximum amount of crisis, death, that you can imagine. Now, what's another way they're going to do it? They're going to do it through possibly dirty nuclear bombs and or 
through things like anthrax. You don't believe me? Well, we're going to hear a quote in a little bit from an Arab who is exactly along with this agenda, an imam, and I'm going to let you hear it out of his own mouth, even though I'm going to have to translate for you. But this is a video clip I'm going to play, which will confirm what we're talking about today. So, citizens will be obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries, which will exterminate those destroyers of civilization, and the multitude then will be disillusioned who will be disillusioned with Christianity. Well, why? Well, a lot of people are thinking, particularly in America, well, we're we're not gonna suffer. We're not gonna we're not gonna undergo any kind of persecution. If that was the truth, why wouldn't Smiley Joel Osteen tell me that we're gonna suffer? Why is it Benny Hinn telling me? Why is it why aren't I getting this from my pastor? I mean, we're not going to really have to... The Bible says all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I could give you verse after verse after verse after verse on that. I've got a whole section of Bible verses on that. And they that kill you are going to think that they do with God's service. So we've got all these Bible verses saying one thing, yet the lukewarm church and the pastors and the 501c3 pulpits are telling their parishioners a totally different thing. They're not being warned. Well, why? Well, because they're hirelings, and they have no true love for the sheep. The Bible says that a true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. But they're hirelings. They're doing it for the money. So anyway. Okay, so. Citizens, then, obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries who exterminate those destroyers of civilization and the multitude disillusioned with Christianity. Okay, they're going to be disillusioned with Christianity at that point, the end of World War III. Now, Regardless of what you believe about the rapture, if you believe that the rapture pre-trib in the whole, whole nine yards, what if that doesn't happen? What if that doesn't play out the way you think it's going to play out? Well, I don't care what you say, it's going to. Well, okay. Uh, you know, we're all going to find out soon enough on that one. This is why I don't like to get into big, long debates about the rapture. You know why? Because we're all going to find out soon enough, every bit of us. And what if it doesn't quite play out like you think? A lot of churches have lived their lives basically thinking, we're not going to suffer persecution. And yet, there's literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of martyrs that have died in this last hundred years in uh, places like Africa, in China, and other places that were killed because they were Christians. And yet, we're better than they, evidently. We're, we're, they all died. The rapture didn't save them. If they were relying on the rapture, didn't I don't think they were. Okay, so there's something that's very important to think about on this whole subject. And... Um, Okay, so let's go forward. Disillusion with Christianity, these multitudes, who will from that moment be without compass or direction. Now, there may be a whole bunch of other reasons that they may be without compass or direction. What if, just what if, as I've predicted in the past, good old devil Betraya, Betraya himself, at the end of World War III, comes to the forefront and says, I am the man of peace. I've got this all figured out. I can create peace between the Middle East and the Jews and the Americans and everyone else, and we can all play nice. People are going to be so desperate at that point for a savior, for somebody who can bring peace. They're going to be very receptive to his message. What if that might be in conjunction with something like Project Bluebeam, where there's things up in the skies that are like religious figures and things of this nature. Very, very supernatural stuff going on. Lying signs and wonders and miracles going on all over the world. At the same time, we've just been maximally traumatized through all these events. Our adrenal glands are all shot. At that point, because that's what helps you cope with stress. And you're like, I mean, you ever get just like really, really run down, tired, and weak? You know, you're not at your best then. You know, you're fatigued. You're, 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 it's hard to keep fighting. Well, that's probably how the world's going to be collectively worldwide to a certain extent. And they're going to be ripe for deception. You can have all this stuff going on. You might have false flag nukes, you're probably going to have earthquakes going on, who knows, maybe some tsunamis thrown in there, volcanoes, wars, false flag nukes, terrorism, you're going to be, I mean, it's going to be pretty bad. It's going to be about as bad as we've ever seen it. Well, those that will be disillusioned with Christianity will from that moment, they're saying, be without compass or direction. And then he's saying, 
will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer. Brought finally out in public view. Now this is what Albert Pike said in 1871. Almost 140 years ago. Wow. So, all those people that were disillusioned by Christianity, all the Benny Hinn followers, and all these other people, all these other big time televangelists that are leading people down this primrose path, they're going to be delusioned. They're, they're going to be, and I can see how that's going to be the case, will from that moment on be without compass or direction. They will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, brought finally out in public view. Finally, what do you think Hollywood and all of these books that have come out with Harry Potter and all the movies and all the stuff on TV, what do you think all that's been preparing us for? Mickey Mouse to make his big debut? Pluto or Goofy? I don't think so. Lucifer. He's going to appear, you know... Through the Antichrist. Now, I'm not saying Maitreya is the Antichrist. I'm saying he's a good candidate. I've done a whole bunch of teachings on it. But I'm not going to sit here and say dogmatically he's got to be the Antichrist. Okay? I think he, I mean, he calls himself everything that the world's waiting for. He takes on every one of those titles. Okay? The fifth Buddha to the Buddhists. That's who they're waiting for. Krishna to the Hindus. Um, The Imam Mahdi to the Muslims. The Christ to the Christians and the Messiah to the Jews. He is the big five. He's calling himself the big five religions. Everything that they're waiting for all wrapped up into one package. Who on the world, who in the world would be more primed to become, to come as a man of peace? And the Bible says, through peace he will destroy many in Daniel, the Antichrist. Who would be a better candidate than somebody that claimed to be all those things? Now, if he comes and says, well, actually, I was lying about all that stuff. I really wasn't any of those things. He's the he's that guy. That's going to look kind of weird. It's going to be like, well, why were you lying for all those 30, 40 years, Maitreya, when you said all that stuff? I mean, he is the one the United Nations has sponsored. He is the one that Alice Bailey and all of these occult writers, Madame Blavatsky, Benjamin Krem, have all pointed to and looked to her at the very, very head of the New Age movement and the very, very spear tip of the United Nations. I'm just saying, it seems like he's the most likely candidate to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I know one thing, he's going to play some kind of part in the end-time delusion. He's got to. I don't think they prepped and primed him for all these years for just for that to come to nothing. Unless that's God's will. Maybe it is. I don't know. Anyway, let's go further. So, finally, the broad masses will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer. Brought finally into public view, the manifestation, I'm I'm quoting here, the manifestation will result from the general reactionary movement which will follow the destruction of Christianity and the destruction of atheism. Well, why would they want to do that? Because they want you to believe in a God. Atheists don't believe there's a God. They want you to believe there's a God. But in this case, it's Lucifer. So they they don't have room for atheists either. (laughs) Ha ha. This will follow the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. End of quote. They think they're going to exterminate Christianity. I don't think so. (laughs) That's not going to happen. And they know it's not going to happen deep down. Deep down they know. know. Deep down the devil knows he's going to get thrown in the lake of fire, and his angels, and his followers. He knows that. But you know what? He's so full of hate, and so dis... uh, self-deluded, I believe, probably at some point, where he is going to just try to take as many people with him as possible. Because, hey, misery loves company. He wants to get as many people in the lake of fire for eternity as possible. That's his ultimate goal. I guess that's all he has to live for. If you think about it, what else could the devil have to live for? So, since the terrorist attacks of of September 11, 2001, world events, and in particular in the Middle East, showing a growing unrest and instability between modern Zionism and the Arabic world, this is completely in line with the call for a third world war to be fought between the two and their allies on both sides. The third world war is still to come. The recent events show us that it is not far off. 
Thank you, Nate. That was a good that was a good email. And again, it's good to focus back in on the big picture. You know? Because we could just get focused on Islam. Well remember, this is a war that they predicted for 140 years just about. So it shouldn't surprise us. Now, my response to all this garbage that good old Albert Pike put out is Psalm 2, in in part, in Psalm 2, 1 through verse 5. I'm going to read it. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? This is God talking, essentially. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? I mean, how vain to think that the Illuminati and the 13 families and Satan and his fallen angels are going to actually be able to beat the Lord Jesus Christ, Father God. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They're so delusional. Uh, Next verse. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord's up there just laughing. And the Lord shall have them in derision, meaning he's going to cause confusion. I mean, look what happens at the battle of Armageddon. How'd that turn out for, for the devil's forces there? 100 million man army and all that stuff. Well, boots, the blood up to the bootstraps of the horses. I don't think it's going to turn out too good at, at Megiddo, at Armageddon. Not going to work out too good for him, sorry. Um, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. That's what's coming to them. So they can threaten and do whatever they want in, in posture and say all this stuff, how, how we're just idiots and sheeple people and all this other stuff, and, and throwing the remnant in there with, with everyone else. But you know what? In, in the end, we win. The Lord Jesus Christ was. He's already won, if you think about it. The book's already been written. Revelation's already set. The book of Daniel's already there. Okay, so... <laughs> You know, just focus on that. And, and if they do, by chance, if, if it is your destiny to be a martyr, there's really no higher calling or no higher honor that you could have in heaven than to be a martyr. And the Lord will get you through whatever he sets before you. But the Bible does also say, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this earth and stand before the Son of Man. So these are things that I think we should pray about. Because obviously you want your family to be protected and you to be protected in these types of things. So, you know, let's just, again, having biblical balance, look at this. Okay, I'm going to have to end part one there. And we're going to continue with this theme on the Islamic end uh, next. We're going to give you some more confirmatory things. So, God bless you and we'll see you in part two.